This episode of the SFW Podcast is sponsored by ElectricalJungleShop.com. Yeah, that's right. We got a sponsor at ElectricalJungleShop.com. And we also got some teas out there. Show your love of support. Go visit the website. Buy some things. Let them know that going into business with me is a good thing. And, you know, hopefully it'll be a fruitful partnership on both ends. <laughs> Show your love of support. Get you some graphic tees with cool designs. We got one out one out we got a one out now for the SFW podcast. So check that out. I'm actually gonna go cop that one myself and wear it and that way people ask me about it. Oh, you don't know about this? This is that new new. You don't know about that. Listeners of the podcast can save money by using the promo code to check out SFW. So be sure to do that. Electricaljungleshop.com. Electrical like ooh baby it's electric jungle as in the amazon and shop all one word electricaljungleshop.com let them know i sent you welcome to the sfw podcast with your host adrian who else would be but me back with another amazing episode and another amazing guest writer Jasmine, I want to make sure I say this right, Winona. I believe I said it right. She does correct me later on when I mispronounced it. She's an amazing, talented writer. She's got stuff all over online that you see. At least she wrote a book. And she's also working on a television series. That's her goal. We can hear about that later on in the episode. So give it up to her. <laughs> Women in power, you know, we're doing it. Well, they're doing it. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> Uh, anyway, hope you're well. Hope you're doing well. Things seem to be just almost back to normal. I mean, you still got to wear masks in places, but for the most part, a lot of things are. Uh, I think the big thing here in in the city I'm in is June 11th, where everything's gonna open back up, and then they're gonna go back to regular hours. So like bars and clubs will now. Well, I don't even know if any clubs are open, but bars will now be able to open. Till about what 2 a.m. like it used to so that means more work but more money too because even though I do like being able to get out at 12 ish I mean you know it takes time to clean up and stuff I didn't leave last Saturday till about what close to 1 30 because for some reason I thought the place closed at 12 when we were doing last like 11 50 the last call was like 11 45 then these people just started walking in I'm like uh I thought we were closed and the manager's like nah let's, let's keep it going don't know what's going on it's not my job to say hey isn't that uh you're supposed to shut down by a certain time you know what i mean but whatever i'm the low man on totem pole there so it doesn't really matter what i any opinion i have about anything else i just stack this cheddar get this money work on my side projects because i'm not there that much anyway you know what i mean and the days i'm not there you know i'm making pretty good money i may pick up additional shifts in the future but uh, as of right now, man, things are doing all right for me. Um, I got some good news coming up in about the next two, three weeks. I would say two weeks at the, at the earliest. So when that does happen, and it will, I will let it be known to the world what's going on. Nothing too crazy this past week. Um, News-wise, I, I don't really want to get into anything too political here, but... So the Republicans uh, didn't vote to launch 
an investigation into the Capitol riot that happened January 6th of this year. And you can say it's for whatever reasons, but this is just a sad state of affairs where you're putting your political party first over the safety of a country. And a lot of times they're scared because these are their supporters that were doing it. You know, they talked all about how Black Lives Matter movement and all that stuff for violent people. And, you know, you turn on Fox News and I kind of watch both sides to get it kind of because they're all liars. You know what I mean? So you got to watch a little bit from the left, a little bit from the right and kind of be like, okay, let's see what they said that was close to the same here. But people don't do that anymore. They just really get it from one side and whatever that side says, that's what the other side, that's what that's, that's what's going on. Or they didn't do some Facebook, which isn't a good thing to get either. But yeah, I was I was really heartbroken about that. Well, now when I was not really heartbroken because I kind of figured that's what was going to happen that they uh they they wouldn't want to launch because they're scared. They're scared of of, of of Trump for whatever reason. I mean, political policy, political things aside, you got to say that hiring someone who had no prior political experience to lead a country was a bad idea. And then you want to talk about how he's this executive multi-real estate mogul. The guy's gone bankrupt several times throughout his lifetime. Has known for not paying people. Has schemed and stolen and lied and cheated just about everyone he's known to get to where he is. <coughs> Remember the big thing about... Um, there was, this was years and years and years ago, back when like people didn't know what a- asshole Trump was when they did that Trump roast. And I knew someone who worked on that. What they were saying was, like, all the jokes were fine. Trump was okay with him making fun of his hair, making fun of anything except how much money he has. You cannot joke about him being broke. He takes that shit seriously. You know why? Because he doesn't have any money. Or the money he had. I mean, he has more wealth and influence than I do, believe me. But from the story I heard, what was it, the 80s? When uh, I might have this 100% wrong, so don't. You know, don't tweet me at me. From what I heard, the way he got a lot of his fortune was by his father. So he inherited that. Uh, what is that? He he wrote his siblings out of the will or some shit like that. I, I don't know a lot about that. I know that's something that his sister wrote in her book that he had done, and he gained control of power of attorney of these things and, and tightened the purse strings and pretty much siphoned all the money he needed to get by. Horrible, horrible shit is true. But this is a story I remember hearing. I said, I might be wrong about this. But this is political political conspiracy with your host, Adrian. Thoughts and opinions, Adrian, do not fuck up the SW podcast. Please don't take me seriously. Um, so it was, it was the like, like when Forbes first came out, you know, when Forbes does the list of like the top earners or whatever like that this is like back when Forbes first started he was on the list and said he had a net crazy network goes into a bank Trump goes takes the article goes into a bank and says look there says I have all the money in the world give me money and they gave it to him with no loans no no like checking his credit or anything I mean this was the 80s and he was a white businessman who had, you know, moderately successful connections. But still, like, even though, like, you think I could just take, like, just, uh, 
Okay, say I know Obama. You think I can just take Obama in the bank and be like, give this guy a bank account with $25 million in it? Just off the strength of it. Like, no, we need to see his credentials and shit. We just can't be just giving him money just to give him money. It's, <laughs> you know what I mean? So they didn't do their due diligence. And that's their fault. You know what I mean? That's 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 the white, that's white privilege, really, to be honest with you. That's, white privilege isn't always about what you do experience. Sometimes it's about what you don't experience as well. You think about that through the lens of people of color and people who've been oppressed and things like that. You know, not having to worry about um, police interactions, um, disenfranchised communities, and things like that. I'm gonna stop talking about politics. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Anyway, sorry about that. I don't know what I'm talking about. I have views and opinions on policy things, but for the most part, it's kind of like what well, just affects me from day to day. And that capital riot thing did affect me because <laughs> for a while that shit was shut down in the city. <laughs> so you had a curfew. Couldn't go anywhere, couldn't do anything really, you know what I mean? So, anyway. I wanted to share this bit of trivia that I found out today. I knew about it for a while, but I just kind of wanted to talk about it here. I have it here. Okay, so. We're going to talk about the Twilight Zone incident. Alright. This is a bit of trivia I didn't know. Well, I knew for a while I meant to share it. Okay, so the Twilight Zone movie, the one that came out in the 80s. Twilight Zone, the movie, the one that came out in the 80s. On July 23rd, 1982, a Bell UH-1 Iroquois helicopter crashed in the Indian Dunes, uh, Valencia, Santa Clarita, California, during the making of Twilight Zone, the movie. The crash killed three people on the ground and injured six helicopter passengers. Those were killed were actor Vic Morrow and two child actors. And the so in the segment, I think it was the first segment of the 19 okay 1983 The Twilight Zone movie, which starred Scott Man Carruthers, uh, John Lithgow, Dan Aykroyd, Albert Brooks, Bridges Meredith. Uh-huh. So, Vic Morrow, who was an actor known for, he's like one of those older actors, he's been in a show called Combat, I don't know anything about it, but that ran for years and years, and he's best known for that, he's been in a bunch of stuff, um, was it here, okay, so, in the first segment, it's called, uh, it was a remake of an episode called Equality of Mercy, Bill Carner, played by Vic Morrow, is a bitter after being passed over for promotion in favor of a Jewish co-worker. While drinking in a bar after work with his friends, Bill utters racial slurs about Jewish people, black people, and Asian people. Right? He's like, these Jews get ahead. Oop. Yep, that's what he said in the movie. He says a bunch of racial stuff in the movie. I'm not going to repeat it. Because out of context and isolated, that would be very damaging for my future career. <laughs> so, a black guy sitting by asks him, you know, hey man, chill out, man. You stop that. Bill leaves the bar angrily and finds himself suddenly in Nazi-occupied France during World War II. Uh, he gets chased by uh, the uh, the SS officers. Chasing Susan ends up leaving the building. He falls from a ledge and he wakes up and he's in 1950s South. And he's about to be hung by a group of Klansmen. Basically, 
the concept was that this guy was a racist and now he's being put through time during horrible periods to experience what it's like being that race. So he's like he 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 hated Jews. So now he wait he he finds himself in Nazi occupied France. He was down on black people. So now he's woken up to find himself uh, in 1950s in the South in 1950s about to be lynched um, by the Ku Klux Klan who who see him as an African American even though he's a white guy. You know what I mean? And then it jumps to he goes to the Vietnam War. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, the ending part was he's been put on a train uh, back to World War II. He's put on, you know, and they put the people on the train to go to Auschwitz. He, he's put on a train, and he's looking out the train window, and he sees his friends. And he's like, where'd Bill go? And he's like, help, help, help. And they can't see him or hear him, and the train's going to the gas chambers. He's about to be killed. He's uh, captured by an SS officer and put into an enclosed rail, rail freight car along with Jewish prisoners bound for concentration camp. Bill sees his friend standing outside the bar looking for him. He screams for help, but they can't see or hear him. The train pulls away slowly. So the original ending of the of this segment was supposed to be that um, he... I don't know if I got it right. The original segment was supposed to be something with, like, Bill the character was supposed to transport it back to the time of Mr. Vietnam where he became a Vietnamese man protecting two children from American groups, American troops. Um, yeah, so the story is supposed to end with him sacrificing himself to save these two kids, even though he's a devout racist. And that's what I was supposed to, that's the accident that killed these, these uh, Vic Morrow and the two child actors. I said director John Landis violated child labor laws by hiring seven-year-olds. I cannot say that name, and I cannot say that name because they're Chinese names, and I don't. I'm, I'm not being. I don't know. Micah, Dinah Lee, and Renee Shin Yi Chin, without the required permits. Landis and several other staff members were responsible for a number of labor violations connected with the incident. Um, yeah, so they were supposed to be. Uh, I know this is taking me a while to get to because I'm trying to get this right because it is it's an interesting story. Just look it up. Twilight Zone um, accident. Uh, it's very interesting. And there's a doc, there's like a mini documentary on it. I think the what happened was during the location uh, during the film throughout the 80s they were at a proper location film like this. Location was 30 miles zone wide open. The night sink hall for Mars carried to carry two children out of a deserted village. And cross a shallow river while being pursued by American soldiers in a hovering helicopter. The helicopter was piloted by a Vietnam War veteran during filming. Uh, stationed his the guy the the pilot stationed his helicopter about 25 feet from the ground while hovering near a large martyr effect. He then turned the aircraft 180 degrees to the left for the next camera shot. The effect was detonated while the helicopter and the tail rotor were still above it causing okay so the guy had the plane hovering low to the ground and for a shot for a visual shot of this of being out and when he pulls up and pulls pull away they prematurely fired off these explosive charges thus catching the helicopter the low-flying helicopter spawned control 
Big Marl dropped one of the kids into the water, who's reaching out to grab her when a helicopter fell on top of him and two of the children. Morrow and Lee were decapitated by the helicopter's main rotor blades, and the other child was crushed to death. Uh, yeah, that they all three died instantly. Basically, they were doing a stunt that they weren't supposed to be doing. They violated several. This is the 80s. They cut short all type of laws and labels and things like that. It's a very interesting story. It's a documentary on YouTube about it. You should look it up. It's very interesting. Uh, sorry that I was kind of like all over the place with that. But I, I found it very interesting. In Twilight Zone movie, that was supposed to be the ending scene was him saving these kids and becoming a better person afterwards. But because of the incident that happened in the first segment of the movie too. So that's like, you know, it, it seems like it ended abruptly. Like... Usually the Twilight Zone is all about people getting their comeuppance and learning some kind of way, which I never really dug. I was always more of an Outer Limits person myself. The 1990s run of the Outer Limits was my shit. And I'm really upset that they won't reboot it. They keep re they rebooted the Twilight Zone like 15 times, and I've yet to see a reboot of Tales from the Crypt or Outer Limits. Come on now. I guess Creepshow technically counts as, as like a Tales from the Crypt-ish, but it's still not the same. It's still not the same. You need a creep keeper out there doing his thing. And Outer Limits, man, come on, man. So many, so many cool scientific. Because it was also Outer Limits was also like more sci-fi based. Like everything that happened kind of sort of happened for a reason. Whereas Twilight Zone, just it's because you're in Twilight Zone. That's why it happened. It's just it is what it is. You know, but one episode of the of the Outer Limits about the plague was very very well written and it applied to what happened during the pandemic like there was a cure for a disease that would cure you but it was only giving it to a limited, a limited amount of people like say it was like a group of five and there's only three cures to cure this disease I think they were the last ones infected or whatever I don't know what the story was and they had to put a case as to why they deserved it or everyone was like, you know, I have a family. I should do it first. She's a little kid. She had a shattered life. I'm a war veteran. I went to war for this country. I should have it. You know, it's kind of like, that was an interesting concept. It was a very interesting concept. I got to find the name of that thing, too. So I got to fucking reorder it. So Amazon Prime used to have the Outer Limits on there. And Hulu used to have the Outer Limits on there streaming. But now they don't anymore. And I only had, I had the DVDs of the Outer Limits. Like the actual physical DVDs. But I, they're not with me now they're back somewhere else you know so that sucks this is my question for the audience if you could boot any franchise or show with your casting like you can cast anybody to do any role what would you do i would reboot good times because it can still apply today instead of chicago projects make it a little bit more lighthearted. um as far as casting man, i really really gotta sit down and think about it but definitely to see a reboot of good times. Just something a little bit more, you know, because the things they were saying in that show still apply today, unfortunately, for us and in the Chicago area where they were. I think they, the building they were supposed to be, I think they tore those down too. I mean, I know the actual show was filmed on a Hollywood set, but the building that they were basing it off of, I think they tore it because they tore a lot of projects down in Chicago in the 80s, from what I heard. Um, yeah, so interviews coming up later on the show. Hope you enjoy.
is a comedy show. There are going to be things that are said that you may disagree with. Listener discretion is advised. I am not licensed in any medical field to offer any type of opinion or insight that's going to be groundbreaking or just worthy to prove a point. I'm just a guy trying to have open dialogue with people about their thoughts, pains, and views in life. As such, don't take it serious. Like I said, this is a comedy show. If you don't like it, there's plenty of other things out there you can listen to. But I do thank you for giving me a try. If you'd like to help the show keep running and become a producer, you can do so by going to the Cash App app, dollar sign AD Comedy Jokes. Be sure to put your name in for SFW Podcasts. You can go to PayPal at AD Comedy. You can go to anchor.fm slash SFW. Contribute to the show for a monthly donation. Helps as well. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you're interested in just communicate with me via, via email, you can do so at adcomedyjokes at gmail.com. I'm always excited to uh, you know read your letters and write back to you when I have the opportunity to. And I don't mind reading it on air or having you as a guest as long as you're not bad shit crazy. <laughs> um, what else? Oh, I keep meaning to do this. Check out the SFW Facebook page. I'm still working on it. Still need to do a lot of trimming on my part, but it's a work in progress. Sign up on there. You'll get updates about the show and what's going on. And I post stuff every now and then to keep the show, you know, the people there enlightened about what's going on behind the scenes. I don't know what's going on, on my Instagram account. I've been un- unable to log in. I usually log in via Facebook, but for some reason I can't log in. So I'm going to either have to find a way to go back on and delete my Instagram account and re-upload it or what but that's not that's whatever i decide to do i'll keep you updated because i've tried uh logging in on my instagram and just kept saying you know account now found but then when i search it i can find it online it's weird so i probably have to find a way to do that and just delete it and then re-upload it on another another account or some shit like that i'll figure it out it's just not on the list of things i need to do right now um be sure to wherever you listen to the show give me five stars and be sure to rate five stars review you can tell me anything you want because the algorithm checks that out and the more stars interactions you get on the algorithm you know be it apple or google or wherever you listen to this and you're able to rate the podcast you know it helps out and it pushes me up gets me seen by more people advertisers start to come my way and that way you don't have to listen to me ask money on the show anymore See, other than that, yeah, the uh, interview is coming up next, so look forward to that and hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome to the SFW podcast with your host, Adrian. Who else would be but me back? with an amazing guest, wonderful Desmond Wynona. 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 I just said it correctly the first time and I fucked that all up. I just, we just talked about this. It's, t- it's funny cause like when I, when I go to like, if I'm doing phone calls or I have to go, I have appointments or whatever, like I'll spell my name and they're like, Wynona? I'm like, no, it's Wynona. But there is a there is a street in New York that's 
I was thinking more of like like the the actress. I, I know you get that a lot, don't you? I get this so much. They're like, oh, you're named after the the, the actress, right? Well, no. <laughs> well, you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, like who you are and what do you do. Uh, well, I'm Jasmine. Hold on a second. I forgot to plug my computer in. There we go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm Jasmine. You can also call me JY Nona. Um, I'm a, well, I, I live in New York. Uh, I have a, a day job where I basically do like a lot of admin work, but also do like I'm a social media manager for my company. Um, and then outside of that, I am a writer. Well, I don't, I wouldn't say outside of that. Like I also just write. So. Writing uh, stories, novels, short stories, poetry. Um, I mostly write fiction, whether that's short stories or novels. Um, I'm trying to get into writing TV pilots, which is a completely different thing than anything else I've written. Um, I've also written, um, I know last year I wrote several, uh, music articles and stuff. So, um, I don't know what I would call that, I guess, as... I can't say nonfiction, but you know, I guess it's like reporting. I guess. Mm. Have uh, where can people have you had stuff published? Can people check it out? Um, yeah, most of my uh, none of my fiction stuff is online per se, but like my music writing stuff is on um, uh, Medium. I got it transferred because the website that my original work was on. Um, it's no longer there, so I just switched everything to Medium. So if you look up JY Nona and Medium, I should pop up somewhere. I'm sure people are interested to hear, like, um, well, this is a two-part question. One, when did you realize writing was something you wanted to do growing up? Did you always find yourself fascinated with um, creating able to create your own world and tell your own different stories and things like that? Um. Well, I've been writing since I was seven, and I don't know exactly why I started writing, but I remember my first story was like this twist on Goldilocks and the Three Bears, and um, I had a huge crush on Kel Mitchell at the time, so <laughs> he was in the story too. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> And I, I wish I could find that story. This is like almost 30 years ago, so I probably can't find it. Um, and then um, at the time, um, I didn't know that writing, I, I wasn't really, you know, when you're seven, you don't really know what a career is per se. Like, you know, you say things like, I want to be president, but you don't really know what that means. And um, 
I, I don't think it was until I was like in fourth grade when I realized, oh, people actually get paid to, to write books and and draw and things like that. And so when I was um, 10, I was like, oh, I think I want to maybe do this. And that, up until that point, like all of the stories that I'd written were basically, I basically plagiarized. And uh, it wasn't until I was an adult that I realized that plagiarizing is kind of part of the writing process until you figure out your own voice. Right. And so um, it wasn't until I was like maybe 12 that I started writing like, I guess, original stories. Yeah, it's, uh, I guess as a, as a creative type, it's kind of hard to separate what's the difference between uh, paying homage being inspired by or, or simply ripping something off like it's very fine line between those things right especially when you're um especially when you're young like you don't really know that stealing someone's work per se is is, is wrong and you don't necessarily know the difference between stealing and, and being inspired mm-hmm. and you kind of you know it, it takes a little bit of time before you, you realize oh this is, I mean, it is part of the process, but also it's kind of like, don't, don't do that. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, I guess if you do, you just call it family guy. Because that's basically what the hoes do. That's what they do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it sucks. I like that show, but it's so much stuff I've learned, like, recently. Like, just, it's not just what references, like, just straight ripping off something word for word. It's like, wow, these guys are getting paid a lot of money just to reference an 80s movie that maybe one person saw and I only get it because they referenced it and I had to look it up. <laughs> yeah, like after, like I haven't watched Family Guy in such a long time, but it got to a point where the whole show was just references. And mm. it's like, if you don't get the reference, then... It's not funny. Because, right. Um, they had one this was a few years ago. I thought it was kind of funny. I didn't see the whole thing, but Peter was in a restaurant and he was surrounded by black people he's kind of just looking around he goes huh that's his advertising and I was like hmm he must be in a white castle <laughs> <laughs> there you go I mean people get that joke they like I didn't you know that's that's funny who were your inspirations or there was another oh I'm sorry go ahead say it no, go ahead, oh, I was going to say, there was also another, uh, there was another one where, I think it was Brian said something like, you're like a, a black woman when she's right or something like that, mm-hmm. and it, I don't know, it felt weird because it was like, this is very accurate, but also, why are you exposing us? Oh. And so it was kind of just like, um, you know, like when black women are right, they do a little like, mm, I told you, and it was the whole thing. <laughs> and then like you see all the YouTube comments there's a bunch of black women they're going like yeah that's yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's a trip yeah he's I mean I like I like his work but a lot of times it is and I feel like just real quick I feel like that's just a, that's just family guy because American Dad is completely different if y'all know if you ever seen that show it's not quite so many references yeah, I- Yeah, my um my last roommate, she watched like she would sleep to American Dad and it's just like all night I just hear the theme the song. Theme song. 
Uh, I've definitely done that before. I'm sure someone's been annoyed by that. So I, 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 I feel your pain. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, uh, did you have any literary inspirations, people like the authors you looked up to, or a particular writing style that you kind of say, you know what, I enjoy the way that this person blends their words and I want to kind of emulate that into my work or inspire me to do it this way?
a fantasy novel and um just um you know there's so few like known black sci-fi fantasy writers and just for her to just be one and for her to live in you know new york was pretty cool and then like i read her stuff and i was like oh i actually really do like her you know like her work um there was someone else i don't remember her name but she wrote children of blood and bone and people were come saying that she's like the the black jk rowling and i was like don't don't say that she's she's a good writer don't compare her to jk rowling she she can she can stand her own basically and she i think she's got a tv deal for her novel which is great um i do follow a lot of writers on social media even if i don't necessarily read their like books i guess i do read their articles or their newsletters or their tweets mm-hmm. it's a i guess this is because i actually do understand your your journey writing has always been one of my passions as well i think it's tough being a writer because writing is one of those things it's like you don't really know if you have it and you're going to have to rely on a lot of people to tell you if it's good or not you know what i mean like usually with singing you can kind of gauge well you're not the worst but you're not that bad maybe with a few exercises you can do something i mean it shouldn't take me five years of my life writing a book to get it up my blood sweat and tears publish it get it out there to have someone be like yeah this isn't good there's no instant feedback with writing like there is with so many other creative things. True. Yeah, it's... Um, I, I don't remember where I read this, but they said that uh, writing is, like, the only medium that... Uh, what was it? You have to... I, I, I forgot exactly how it is, but it's like, all right, if you see a painting, you can it right if you're making music you can hear it if you're i don't know other various forms i I know like dancing is you know it's music and it's also movement but writing is kind of like you have to visualize the sounds and the sense and the people and all of those things and i really wish i remember that phrase but it really stuck with me that writing is like the only medium that that doesn't writing is the only medium that doesn't really use your senses Mm -hmm. it's just strictly imagination yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately you're relying on some people who may not have one, so <laughs> that too. Or they have uh, too much of imagination and then it's like, whoa, like I don't I don't need uh, three paragraphs describing the interior of this restaurant. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was that guy Especially that... if they never go back to the restaurant. Was which that a... I I speak for. <laughs> Isn't that the guy that wrote the notebook? Isn't they say a lot of his books are like that? Very descriptive, like three pages on how the wind blew that day. I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, they do the same with, I think, um, George R. R. Martin. Mm. And like, I haven't read any of his books, but I've wanted to. But it's like, I don't. I don't really need to read fifty pages worth of backstory, and <laughs> I don't need all that. Right. <laughs> Really pages in, I still don't know what's going on. <laughs> like, wait, is this is this happening now, or this already happened? Right, or... exactly. <laughs> oh man. Um, did you go to school for writing or any type of anything like that? 
I went to school for television and radio, okay. which I have not been to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's alright. We're, we're all there. I initially wanted to go to school for journalism. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be a TV anchor and I wanted to do radio instead because I kind of preferred the voice over um, like the visuals. Right. and stuff and so um, then when I got to college um, college was around the time where podcasts were kind of like in their baby stages and so at the time I was like I really wanted to do podcasting and I kind of wanted to do that like really big cinematic stuff like This American Life yeah. and stuff like that but that's, that's a lot of time and effort and money and people and, and all sorts of stuff and so um yeah, at that time I realized I think I'd rather do podcasts instead of doing radio for whatever reason. And because um, I definitely didn't really want to, I didn't really care for talk radio, but I didn't really necessarily want to do news either. So it was kind of just like, you know, if I could do one of those specialized shows, like, you know, NPR has a lot of those specialized shows, like Studio 360 and, and Code Switch, well, I guess Code Switch is a podcast. Um, but yeah, things like that. And so, but I didn't get into podcasting literally until like last year, like finally. Yeah, and you said you have one as well, don't you? I do. Um, I'm hoping that it will be out either the end of this month or the beginning of next month. Can you give us the name and tell us a little bit about it? Sure. So the podcast called the Winona podcast. The Winona is spelled W H Y N O N A. Like because people love puns. Yeah. <laughs> and the podcast is about. Um, I'm still trying to workshop like my little elevator pitch, but it's basically like about. I talk about um, relationships, but kind of just like all types of relationships, and I discuss them with comedians. Okay. So I've, I've combined my my two loves of comedians and well, comedy and podcasting, and I, I put them together. Mm-hmm. Well, you ever need somebody with some good stories about some fair relationships, I got you. <laughs> well, all right. I, I just uh, recorded uh, an episode yesterday on uh, and like the friend zone, basically, mm-hmm. and that was, that was a wild episode. <laughs> uh, yep, yep. Yep, I've got the friend zone, the uh, being with people who 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 only was it you're, you're the side piece. I've been the side piece and knew it, and I've been in the relationship that's been the side piece and didn't know it. And that's the worst one when you find out. <laughs> Wait, how are you in a relationship and you're a side piece? Well, whatever you want to call a relationship, it 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 it, it starts right. out. <laughs> it starts a lot of the time where you know I meet somebody, I'm interested in getting to know them. And, you know, things happen and, you know, just sometimes I find out beforehand, it's kind of like, well, then I'm married, so, you know, I'm not really, it's a lot of compromise on my end, too, with my, how I feel about things, you know, as long as there's no marriage and no kids involved, I just, it's, people are going to do what they're going to do, so. Right. 
yeah, it's usually that happens. Just wanted to talk to somebody, and you know, I really like you, and I want to talk to you, and oh, you have a boyfriend, but you're not really sure where you guys at right now. You might be breaking up. You don't know. You know what I'm saying? So it's right now we're talking. We'll see how things go. Yeah, that that, that yeah yeah. Yeah, it's rough out there. Uh, <laughs> no, it, uh, so so the, <laughs> so the why no the why. Say the podcast name again. I'm sorry. I know it's whining like that. The why? The why Nona podcast, but it's like W H Y Nona. Yeah. Do you know where this will be? Will people be able to uh, listen to it when it comes out? Um, I'm gonna try to put them on all the platforms. Mm-hmm. Like, I I know nothing about the production side of things. I kind of just record, and um, I'm hoping um, I technically have a producer. Um, <laughs> <and> <laughs> I kind of know what I'm doing. I push a couple buttons and things happen, you know? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, I'm probably, I'm going to, you know, have it on Apple, uh, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, the, all, you know, any, any of the platforms that will take me, I will, I will put them on, on there. I recommend doing what I'm using and this is Anchor. Uh, Anchor, I've Yeah, that's, that's what I'm using. It, it actually helps the distribution process a lot easier. Okay. Does, does Anchor do all the work for you? Um, I pretty much just set up a record, and yeah, it'll put it on Google, Spotify, uh, most of the platforms. I'm not, I, I, I believe it's on Apple. I'm not 100% sure because I don't have an Apple account and I can't check it. I need to ask somebody who has one okay. to, see, to see if my pocket's up there. But yeah, when you Google, my name or the podcast name it pops up in Google, so it's it. There's traffic there. A um, lot of, okay. lot of. Um, it's easier to manage if you don't know what you're doing, and I kind of sort of know what I'm doing here and there. Some days are better than others. Um, yeah, but like you can do, you can just record and send it off if you want to. But if you want to actually sharpen it up, you can do that and upload it to it, and then do whatever you want to do to it. So. I should actually start doing this now if I want to um, put it out. Like I want to put it out like in the next two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I've definitely heard that you should have your stuff uh, like posted in advance because sometimes they won't upload like immediately. So it's something like that. Yeah, so, usually I said usually about maybe like less than an hour. I've noticed usually give it like thirty minutes. It's it's almost the platforms that I can okay. check it to see where it's at. Um, they give you a little algorithm to tell you like, kind of like who's listening from where, uh, the age range, and like the region. Um, that's as far as that, that's as much they give you there. Like I'm sure there's like I can't really check to see like your podcast is number seven thousand out of eight or something like that. You know what I mean? Like I, it wouldn't tell you anything like that. But okay, basic you basic stuff to get started until you kind of really know what you're doing is it, it's helpful. Okay, yeah, for sure. Um, I feel like Apple probably tells you, uh, like, what number you are. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I just, I, <laughs> I, I would just focus, just focus on trying to make good content because when you get into, like, the numbers game and I'm doing this, say, minimalist or no money, it's basically... <laughs> Uh, I'm sinking I'm everything into it, and you start thinking of it like that, you know, and then you're like, well, I'm not making any money from this damn thing. Why am I doing it? 
actually, um, I'm, I'm not necessarily thinking about making money from mm-hmm. the podcast. Uh, it's kind of just more of a, well, it's a passion project, but it's right. also kind of um, more of a, uh, like a catalyst for other things. Um, because, so I'm, I'm not a comedian, but a lot of people say that I should be a comedian. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I don't want to do the work. (laughs) I mean, you're halfway there. You're already a writer and comedians and writers did pretty hand in hand. A lot of times spent by themselves, workshopping material, trying to get it right. I mean, you're halfway there already. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think I like last year. I actually found out that a lot of uh, ways that uh, comedians get in the writers' room. Like, there's a comedian that I know. Um, he told me that he was like he wrote. He's written for Netflix, and he's written for. I don't know what uh, platform the show is on, and I don't want to say what the show is, but <laughs> it's pretty popular um, and he was like uh, yeah I just you know when you get to a certain level or something like that uh, people are kind of just like hey would you like to write for our show kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's how a lot of them um, get their writing because it's, it's really hard to just solely be, do, be like a stand up comic right um, so it's like if you can segue into a writing gig that would be great um i like i remember when i was younger i was like i discovered snl and i was like i want to be a writer for snl and then um i kind of just decided to want to and i was like you know i really don't want to be in a room for like eight to twelve hours a day just trying to come up with with sketches and, and hoping for the best if they like it and you know things like that i i would rather just I just want to write my own stuff and have a board. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? it? Was it? I think it was Hannibal Hannibal Burris that said he wrote for SNL briefly. He said, yeah. I, he, he said he wrote some sketches. He said they sucked, <laughs> and I got to stand there act like it don't suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Hannibal. Um, Hannibal. I saw Hannibal a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he performed at, uh, I used to hang out at UCB all the time, and um, at the time when he was at UCB, he was on 30 Rock, I think, and then he had his own um, comedy show in uh, Brooklyn at the Knitting Factory. It was a free show every Sunday night, and this was, this was like, a few years before he got really big, like this was before the whole Bill Cosby thing and right. then Broad City. But you could tell he was like, it was weird for Hannibal, I think, because like um, when Hannibal was in New York, it was like white people loved him. And then it took a while before black people caught on to him. And I remember, like, I took this was like 2012, I took a picture of him at the show and I said, one of my friends, she was like, oh my God, I saw, I saw him in uh, New Orleans. He's really funny. I was like, oh, black people know about him now. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then he, moved, then he moved back to Chicago. I was like, no. Um, but yeah, Hannibal is, Hannibal is pretty, um, 
Hannibal was pretty cool. Um, yeah. So, well, I guess we're going to transition into, um, you said you wanted to be a showrunner? Is that what you said? No, I do not want to be a showrunner. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, you wanted to write write a show. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I I got to decide, like, from trying to write a TV pilot of maybe two, actually. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Yeah, it's it's hard to write pilots. Um, And last year, um, when all of the COVID and the protests were happening, and there was like white guilt going around, um, these uh, white women created this uh, networking group for uh, people of color who were interested in writing like comedies or dramedies or drama because there's still so few of us in writing rooms and so um i've spoken with them and they kind of gave me some really good advice on um like like i so for instance i i i have like a file on my phone of like jokes that if i were a comedian i would tell jokes and so one of them suggested like you know you can you you can like you can uh you can tweet those like maybe you can do like one or two tweets a week i've fallen off since then this was like last year (laughs) and i think i've I've posted like one joke this year um and the joke was basically something like uh is he being spontaneous or is his like first third option just not respond to what you do in fact and I feel like I posted it like five in the morning, so probably people didn't see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, it's cool, it's fine, whatever. Um, so yeah, it's it's I don't know, it's it's yeah, I I, I like being in that comedy space, but I'm not necessarily like in the front. I guess like I'm not the person on stage. I'm just the person like watching the shows and, and being observant and writing and stuff. And so, you know, when the pandemic like before the pandemic, I was going to like two to four shows like a week. And a lot of a lot of comics knew who knew who I was. Mm-hmm. And like I used to go to this one bar and one of the comics was like, I know you. Always sit in that seat. You always order the fries. This bar had really good fries, and so <laughs> and so when the pandemic started um, and everything shut down, and I'm just like, oh no, how am I going to how am I going to get my comedy? I'm like, you know, you do what you can on Zoom, but there's just something about being in a dark, tiny room. <laughs> yeah, full of. <laughs> Full of aspiring hopes and dreams and bipolarism and depression. A lot of alcohol. <laughs> a lot of alcohol. And, and, some, and sometimes some other drugs too. Sometimes what? Sometimes some other drugs too. Oh yes. Yeah. I I so I went to a show years ago and one of the comics was a uh, army vet. Mm-hmm. And he just, he just had this big gallon bag of cocaine. Oh. 
books. And was one he, of the other comics... Is he, um, is he selling it or doing it? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but he did offer some to me, and I was like, I, I don't do cocaine. Yeah. Um, yeah. other, uh, comic, um, who was the co-host, um, he did some, he did some of it, and then he found out later, he was like, oh, I think this like, this was fake cocaine, because he was like, like, I don't know how cocaine works. I, I, from experience? I've never done it, but I've, I've, I've been around enough people who've done it, and they've told me there's ways you can tell. Like what's good and what's bad. Mm-hmm. But it's usually like short-lived, right? Like, yeah. Like cocaine is not a thing that's like for hours. The best, the best I can describe is somebody told me, "Hey, you like those energy drinks, right, Adrian?" Like, yeah, you know, I drink a couple energy drinks. I know they're not good for me. I might drink two monsters within an hour, in an hour, but they're not like back to back. If I'm if I'm okay. doing something creative, I'm writing, I'm trying to stay up late and get it done. I'll drink two monsters or something like that, or a, a big thing of Red Bull. And you know, be kind of jittery all night, but I'm up. He said, "Yeah, it's like um, it's like having a bunch of those all at once. It's just get you up." But isn't that like? I hear the feeling doesn't last very long compared to like other drugs. I guess it. I guess so, it, I guess it depends on on on, on the product. Like I said, I, I've not, I've never done it, and you don't do it. Right. And people who do do well, it. Well, I, I don't think cocaine. Like this guy, he he did fake cocaine, and he was numb until like the next afternoon. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not how cocaine works. I I want to say there is some numbness, but I don't like depending on like severity of. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I don't think like if you take it at like eleven o'clock at night, and then you're numb until like. 4 p.m. the next day. I, I feel like that's, that's I not what cocaine is. Again, as, I don't know. As, <laughs> as writers, we're supposed to be able to, 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 to get that human connection and, and, and put it into words and, and know how the people can talk and, and do things. And we can't even describe what it's like to do something we've never done. That's crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, so I have a friend who used to be a drug addict. Mm-hmm. And he... The way he described heroin to me, he was like, heroin is like sitting in a warm vat of honey and the honey is also pouring over you. I'm like, that sounds so good. Mm. I'm like, all right. He's like, don't ever do it. I'm like, but that sounds really good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, listening to this podcast they talk about criminal athletes and a lot of the ones get addicted to drugs they say yeah the first time I did cocaine I loved it they're like whoa <laughs> that's what started your career went down here <laughs> instead of playing sports you're too busy trying to get high <laughs> I don't think you should ever do anything like that in the instant thought is I've been waiting a long time to do this I love it I should have been doing this earlier <laughs> yeah offered cocaine mm-hmm. but um well the way i was offered was like do you like to party and i was like sure and it was like oh you mean that party no good mm-hmm. um i feel like cocaine is something i should avoid yeah um like it just seems like i'm already a jittery nervous person mm-hmm. so i feel like doing cocaine is just 
not gonna be good for me. You ever thought about like maybe like uh, some hallucinogens? A lot of famous writers have done that to expand their their mind. Of course. <laughs> 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 I've done uh, shrooms and I've done acid, and um, I'm actually due to do acid again, actually, eventually. Um, like, yeah, I've, I've done shrooms twice. I've done acid twice. Um, I would, I would. There's another one, DMT. I would like to try that one mm-hmm. day. Um, and I would like to do the whole ayahuasca thing too. Yeah. Um, the first. No, both times I've done acid, I've, I've had like these deep, profound things, and I just like cried. And then like, I remember the first time I was crying over some dude, and I started crying more because I'm like, why am I crying over you? He's not worth it. And then like, yeah, acid's funny because like you'll be having like these deep thoughts and then you start thinking about other weird stuff like I had a friend who recently like I don't know he recently got his credit score to like 700 and I was just like I spent hours on acid just obsessively talking about his credit score and I had this whole conspiracy theory about how he was lying about his credit score and how he was like secretly sleeping on like a a mattress on the floor so like like I, I can't prove that he does have the credit score. You know, like you know, maybe he's just lying on the internet just to tell people that he has this, this, this weird credit score thing. And I had a friend who was with me because this was my first time, and I wanted to do it like with someone so I felt safe. Because acid is not something you should do by yourself. Yeah, I've heard. <laughs> um, oh, you haven't done it? Nope. I. I recommend it. Uh, um, mostly, mostly weed, booze, and some pills when I was younger, but that's about mostly just booze nowadays. Yeah, um, I stopped drinking this year. Just, I just wanted to stop for the year, and then I'm just like, you know, if I drink again, cool. If I don't, you know, but like the older I get, like I, I can get drunk off of a Mike's Heart Lemonade. Mm. Like that's how bad, <laughs> that's how bad my tolerance is. Um, but I, it's funny. Cause like in my twenties, I drank a lot and I smoked very well, not a lot, but just enough. And I smoked very little. And now it's like I smoke more and I don't drink, but I'm smoking for um, headaches and anxiety, not like I want to get eyes. Like no, I want to, I want to relieve pain. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, my, 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 my drugs, and I've been offered a lot of crap too. Most of the time, it's just not been a good time. It's, it's, it's usually out in public, working in the restaurant industry late at night. People get into all sorts of things, and I'm yeah. not, I'm not gonna do something I've never done before. And I'm supposed to be at work the next day, and I'm out here in, in, in the middle of the city, two o'clock in the morning. And you're like, here, take this. I don't know what it is, and I don't know how it's gonna, you know what I mean? Like, right. <laughs> you think with psychedelic is um honestly like a rule of thumb is you, you technically should set aside like three days for it mm-hmm. so it's like the first day is to, like prepare your space prepare your mind because um you generally don't 
want to be angry or depressed or something like that because all those feelings can be amplified. And so the day of, you you know, you do it. And depending on what you do, what you do, and like what you ate and things like that, like the experience can take last between six to twelve hours. So it's like if you're gonna do shrooms or acid or whatever, like just block out the day, the whole day. Mm-hmm. Um, because even once it's like out of your system, it'll still like you'll still feel kind of weird for a while. So then like the next day is like when you're kind of readjusting and like also the thing I like about psychedelics is you're totally aware and conscious of what you're doing. Like it's not like when you're drunk and you're like, I don't know what happened, like you remember you remember everything. (laughs) (laughs) And so like the next day you know, you can spend it kind of just like contemplating all the cool things that happened and maybe um, they call it integration or something where maybe any insights that you had, you're kind of just like trying to like incorporate that into like your your daily life type of thing. Um, like the last time I did acid, I kept thinking about um, my childhood when like, so like in the first, yeah, one of the first houses I grew up in was like a completely wooden house and it was eaten up by like termites. Oh, wow. And I was like, I, I think I was like three or four. And I remember me and my younger sister were like in the corner and we were crying because we were seeing like thousands and thousands and thousands of termites like destroying our house. And then like my mother is trying to get us to go to the other side of the room, but we're scared because again, there's like, there's like swarms of insects like eating our house. Right. I just kept thinking about that and I was just like that's just that's such like profound imagery and like it's a thought that I haven't thought about like for a very very long time and it's kind of like psychedelic seems like it kind of, kind of just whatever deep thought that you have that you know it kind of just dredges all that up and so then you're like oh I have to confront this. Mm. Yeah, you can't be doing that and then go to work. Anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, it's going to be hard to get through the shift with that. <laughs> right. Oh, just talked about you. Um, where can people find you online if they want to get in touch with you? Um, well, you can find me on Instagram. It's Writer on the Radio. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't post that much, but I'm trying to post more for visibility. Right. Um, I'm on, on Twitter. Um, it's right on the radio, but it's W R T R on the radio because Twitter has a what's it called? Uh, a character count for your you know your your handle. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me on Medium. Same Medium, right on the radio. I'm basically right on the radio on everything. <laughs> um, Facebook. I'm right on Radio 88. Um, and so, you know, I plan on getting a website soon, so it'll have everything on there as well. So that's, that's basically it. Uh, wanted to switch it up real quick, these last couple ones. Um, do you enjoy uh, TVs? Obviously you want to write your own show and stuff like that. Um, let's just say you get a green light to do your own show. We're going to green light, you're going to give you whatever you need to write your own show. It's gonna be comedy, horror, sci-fi. Like, what would you kind of compare it to? Just in your mindset, if you just had to do it right now. 
I would definitely want to do like a dramedy. Mm-hmm. Um, like I like the mixture of drama and comedy. Um, just because like I am like one of the pilots I'm writing is uh, partly based off of, like I'm obsessed with Sex and City. Um, but Sex and City is a very white show. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> Um, so one of my friends was like, uh, what would Sex and City look like with color or, or, you know, and I was like, you know, we could, we, you know, so I basically tried to write, a, like, something like that, but, um, they're doing a reboot of the show, yeah. because Kim Cattrall is not going to be on it, and because they want to be more diverse, they're adding, like, three black women on the show I'm like you're telling me that three of us white women have three three black women friends like really yeah um <laughs> so yeah I basically my first pilot is like a dramedy and it's basically about like 30 something women who live in New York trying to like you know I want I want to say I, I mean you, you, can, you can still probably do I want to say isn't that isn't that what Girlfriends was the black version of Sex in the City Yes, but not they were exact. in LA. Oh, okay. So you're East Coast based. <laughs> yeah. LA's not funny. <laughs> it's expensive. Yeah. I, I I watched so much TV growing up, it's ridiculous. Like I would watch so much TV and get immersed in the world, which is not good, but if you want to be a writer and you want to write shows and stuff, it's good to have someone who enjoys TV and knows what to look for, as opposed to somebody who just right. sees it at What's that show? Let's uh, let's 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 reboot Good Times and put um, Dave Chappelle as the father. <laughs> People like that, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> but you know, you get immersed in these worlds and things like that. And I've always, you know, especially like uh, let's say uh, '90s, early 2000s TV shows. What's what was, what was the go-to thing? They're young, they're hip, they live in the city, and they all have no jobs, but they all live in this penthouse apartment. Well, they all either have no jobs or their jobs are nowhere. There's no way they can afford where they live based on the jobs they have. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm a I'm a waitress. I am a barista, and I have a uh, a loft in uh, one of the most expensive neighborhoods in New York. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And no roommate, unless you decide you want to take on a roommate for comedic purposes. Exactly. I feel like the only one that was daily realistic was living single. Mm-hmm. Um, were they in New York know, or like, were, they, I, were they in Jersey? They were in Brooklyn. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah they yeah. all lived in the same uh, brownstone. Mm-hmm. Um, although, like, how did, how did Khadija own her own magazine company at before 30? Uh, <laughs> we'll never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just, you just can't ask these questions. It's just things you just like, all right, well, I guess we just... Pretend that it exists, I guess. I don't know. Right, but she had roommates. Yeah. She had two roommates. Mm-hmm. And then, well, technically three. Maxine was always there. Um, and it made sense that, you know, Maxine and, and, and I think Kyle was a lawyer too. Yeah. Yeah, so they're both lawyers. So we know lawyers make money, but also back then, I don't think they specify what neighborhood they lived in, but back then, brownstones were uh, very cheap to rent. Yeah, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like. like I feel like for the time that probably was like, yeah, that's, that's believable enough. And she's got roommates. 
yeah, like the ring was probably like three, four hundred dollars back then, mm. and so, which those brownstones now are going for like two, three million right now. So. Yeah. <laughs> you find a place anywhere in New York that's three, four hundred. You need to very, you need to find out what's wrong with it because something's wrong with it. <laughs> well, you probably pulled a lot of uh, uh, favors. <laughs> that cheap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do to get a $300 apartment in New York? Like, you can't even get a room in New York for 300 anymore. Oh, so no. So you're definitely not getting your apartment. <laughs> what was that old joke somebody says? Uh, I, I moved to New York and I paid $1,200 for an apartment. He said, I go to the, I go to the, go into the bathroom after I move in, there's a guy sleeping in the tub. I said, what are you doing, man? He said, I live, I pay rent. He said, I paid sixteen hundred to sleep in this tub, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was called that a a, a micro studio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Or cozy. Or cozy. Yeah. Economically friendly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> uh. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to me. I know we've had to reschedule and, and schedule again and things like that. So I'm definitely glad we were able to sit down and chop it up. Same, same. This was, this was good. Uh, what I would be interested in, in doing is maybe in the next month or so, if you're not busy, this is something I keep talking about I'm going to do it, but I'm finally going to do it next month after I, I get some things set out the way. I love watching old sitcoms, and especially old sitcoms when they do like the sappy special episodes. And love to point out how badly things have aged to compared to nowadays. Ooh. So I figure as a guest, if you want to, you can pick a show or, or an episode of a show and I can find an episode and we can take notes and kind of exchange ideas on the show and just kind of, you know, riff it. Sounds good. Yeah, I'll definitely let you know more about that. Awesome. <laughs> I actually, um, have a friend we were thinking about doing a podcast about bad movies yeah we were gonna have a team for like every month like so we were gonna start in april so it'd be like bad genre movies or like what's what's really bad story movies um we might start in june like because june is is pride month it's black music month it's, it's some other caribbean month mm -hmm. so you know if we wanted to do some things and stuff we could do that but like i would totally like to come on and talk about horrible TV shows yeah. or episodes. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like, I mean, movies is good. I just feel like TV shows, episodes, you know, about, what, 22 minutes? Yeah. It, it, it's it compact enough. You know, movies sometimes, it's too long. And when a movie's really bad, yeah. like, I, I've, I've reviewed movies with friends, sometimes it's hard to pay attention to. It's like, I don't know what the fuck was going on. I left her running to go to the bathroom. I got up, they were talking. I fell asleep, woke up, they were still talking. It didn't like they moved. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely. Let, let me know about that. And I'll let you know about mine. Um, I don't know if you had anything you wanted to say, any words of encouragement, advice. Um, honestly, I guess the only advice I would give is like shoot your shot with people. Like, I don't mean like in that way, but kind of just professionally. Professionally, yeah. Um, just like especially in a creative field. Um, it really is about the connections that you make. And so, like, I know for me, for instance, like, 
like I know so many comedians and they kind of know who I am that like you know if if I need them for something or they need me for something it's kind of just like it's it works and if they don't if they can't help me they probably know people and it's just it's just a good like you know it's just good to have and like it's good to just make genuine connections and not just think of it as like collecting numbers or collecting people or social climbing it's right, like, right, you know, right, just right be genuinely interested in people remember things about them like I know for me like when I've gone to it's kind of like you know they tell men um when you compliment a woman don't say she's pretty or she's beautiful because like duh um, <laughs> you want to like find something, you know, like maybe you like the color of her dress, maybe you like patterns, or maybe you like her jewelry or something like that. So it's kind of like for me, the comedy, you know, you don't tell me, you know, you're so funny because they know that already. If, <laughs> if you find, maybe you find something in particular, like for instance, um, there was a comedian that I saw a few years ago and he had a really great Obama impression. Um, but for me, what made his Obama impression great was the little stutter. <laughs> and so, like, I commented on that, you know, and they, they, they appreciate that you actually, like, like remember which ghosts and stuff. So it's like, if you can find a way to, like, compliment people, like, kind of like, what's the word, personalize it or something, mm-hmm. people, people appreciate that. Yeah course always always good to expand your social circle you know network get out there it's a lot easier to, to network with strangers than it is to ask someone on a date i will say that though that is so true <laughs> <laughs> that is so true i didn't ask you are you are you single married kids no kids single no kids i have a plan that's currently got well it's, it's growing sideways um <laughs> i just want to kind of you know get that if that if that's reflective in your works uh, as a writer um you know of course they say a life experience governor as well but you know just i think it's interesting like very funny what was it um I, I just started watching 30 rock when i on 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 one of the streaming things and at first I was against it because I was like, I don't like Tina Fey. But I feel like everyone else on the show is funny but her. Mm. And I kind of wanted to ask you, as a professional woman, the way they depict people, especially women, a lot of times, you're so you're so job-driven, you, you don't have, you know, she's got it all, but she's missing that one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to... <laughs> well... I, what was that show? Uh, there's a series on YouTube called The Take, where they kind of like analyze TV shows and movies and tropes and stuff. And one of the tropes was about, um, I forgot exactly what it was called, but basically these shows about women and their friendships, so like shows like Broad City and things like that. And it's kind of like a, um, so like, definitely shows like 30 Rock and other shows, they pick women as like they're career driven and things like that there's that one thing you're missing so like a lot of recent shows are kind of like these women don't really know what they're doing they you know like insecure for instance mm-hmm. like 
what does she really want to do? And she doesn't really figure that out until like the last season, you know? Um, and it's the same with Broad City. It's kind of like they both have these, these jobs or gigs that are not fulfilling. And it's like, what, what actually do they, you know, want to do? Um, I honestly would love to see more um, black women in those because it, we still kind of live in this space where we have shows and movies where black women are just like, they have to have everything together. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, we don't have to have everything together. You know, it's okay to show us like falling apart or not necessarily knowing what we want or being quote unquote strong and, and things like that. And that's definitely, um, in one of the shows I'm trying to write is something I'm trying to like explore about, you know, how do you go after what you want or maybe you don't know what you want and right. you're sitting in that confusion trying to figure things out or maybe you're not meant to find out. Definitely, definitely would love to, to definitely hope your show gets made and wish you, wish you much success in the future as well, always. <laughs> I have a little saying I like to do before I sign off. It's something I try to keep positive light here. No matter where you are, when you are, how you are, whenever you hear this, remember, I love you. Thank you, Jasmine, so much for stopping by. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. This week's episode of SFW Podcast is made possible by viewers like you who gave generously to keep the show up and running. Here we go. We got Lex. We got Ciro. Nevin. Sine. Jamal. Sage. Safi. Bao. Rondo. Jamal. I'm going to say Jamal already. TT. Teddy, Vic, and JC. Thank you so much for your generous donations. I greatly appreciate it.